Welcome to the podcast. I am Shane Barker, your host of Shane Barker's Marketing Madness Podcast. I have with me Jeff Bullis, a successful digital entrepreneur, keynote speaker, and best-selling author. Jeff was named one of the number one global content marketing influencers of 2008. He's a perfect fit for today's session on the best of content marketing. We'll discuss the key pillars of successful content marketing, listen as Jeff reveals how important it is to amplify the reach of your best content, and also discover the secret sauce behind his exceptional success as a marketer. Really excited about having you on the podcast today. So why don't you tell the audience, anybody who might not know about you, which I'm sure that's a very small percentage of people, hopefully, that listen to the podcast. Where did you grow up? Give us a little background about Jeff. I'm from Australia, so I speak with a strange accent. For uh, some other people around the world, uh, it's an Aussie accent with a touch of English, I suppose, because uh, I was raised in a little city called Adelaide, which wasn't settled by convicts, whereas Sydney was, which is where <laughs> I now live. So I grew up in Adelaide and then I had the fun stuff and, you know, my dad had a ski boat, so we had a lot of fun growing up as teenagers and uh, did my high school there. And then I had a teaching degree in uh, just near Sydney in New South Wales, which is, um, I suppose, the most popular state in Australia and we got into teaching and after I finished my teaching degree I went and started to uh, teach and uh, I quickly discovered it's something I really didn't enjoy. So after five or six years of doing something I really hated going, waking up and going to every day. You know the kids were great but it's just it wasn't me. So we went and did a little bit of uh, career testing I suppose. We went and tried three different jobs over my summer break from teaching and I discovered that uh, did a bit of real estate selling, did a little bit of insurance selling, and, and then did got into the tech industry and sort of worked with a mate who was starting up a, doing a tech startup effectively back then. So and I went, wow, this the whole tech thing feels rather exciting. So that was how I sort of got into tech. It was uh, a bit of a convoluted path, and I really haven't left the technology industry very much for very long over the last you know thirty years. Yeah. For me, I suppose my first introduction to trends in in tech because when i left on the tech industry it was the pc revolution with you know steve yeah. jobs and bill gates and uh, the P- ibm pc and the mac it was you know pretty exciting times yeah so absolutely. uh and i just wow this is so much fun and then in mid 1990s i started a communications business we did sort of structured cabling for comms so tech again but i got noticed the internet and web emerging in the mid-1990s, basically turning to public consciousness, I suppose. That's what started to happen. We know that the internet started early in that, but it started really gaining some momentum with the browser and Netscape yeah. back then. And so I went, wow, this is fascinating. I said, I can get information anywhere, anytime. And I started a consulting business around that as well. So that was the next sort of major trend point for me that I saw was going to transform business and transform industry and life you know like just you don't have to go to the library anymore to get your information disruptive for sure but the real thing that really got me was around 2008 when i saw people using social media i went and i noticed people's behavior was very quite obsessive back then and still is today so i went gee this this is a powerful medium I said, well, I could actually put my content out there and without begging the gatekeepers, which were the media moguls or paying for it. And so in 2009, after that, observing that, I, you know, reading a few books inspired me, Tim Ferriss's 4 I Work Week, that sort of opened up the idea of digital business. Yeah. I found that a very attractive idea after working in the corporate world where you show up nine to five and everything's structured. And so I suppose I have a streak, of, a big streak of independence. So I decided 
then I read David Newman's book, the um, Newman Scott's book, the rules of Mar- the new rules of marketing and PR. It's entitled his book. So, and I got to know David actually, and uh, I like the idea of being of creating content that would attract an audience to you because I was used to building businesses by cold calling, knocking on doors, effectively. Yeah. Fax broadcasting even, so and lead gen using old tech and new tech. So the idea that David forward of inbound marketing was something that really, really intrigued me. And then there's a one little, I suppose, push or nudge for me to start the blog. And that was, I read a blog post by HubSpot, which said you have an inkling you want to start a business on or what you want to write about, just start a blog. And, and uh, so in March 2009, just over 10 years ago, I started uh, jeffwillis.com. So that's sort of like the, the path to what we're doing today and became an online publisher and created content. And uh, it was, I was just fascinated by this new media that people obsessed with. And I went, where there's obsession, there's power. And what I also loved about it was this intersection of humanity and technology. Yeah. Social media has made it easy for us to use tech. And, and not only with social media, but the other, I suppose, addition and created the perfect storm that has transformed businesses all around the world and is transforming how we even live and how we consume content was the addition of the smartphone as Steve Jobs made it popular. So social media combined with a smartphone, we had basically a publishing machine in your pocket. That was the perfect storm that is uh, rippling through business and life. And the implications for that as we move into AI and machine learning and getting the boring stuff done by machines. Yeah. The next 40, 50 years is uh, basically just another brave human social experiment, really. So it's fascinating. Yeah, it really is a crazy time. I mean, I, you kind of think about like how far it's, it's come in just the last, I mean, 15 years. I mean, I graduated in from college in 2003 and the internet wasn't even, sadly enough, I hope my son's not listening to this. I use like 0.01% of like what I learned from college, right? I mean, I graduated and I, none of it, like none of it I can use. Like everything I learned, I literally learned by going in and doing and going in and figuring out kind of like the same way you did. It was like, you just kind of see like, Hey, there's kind of some cool stuff going on over here. And it, the accessibility, when you look at the iPhone and you look at like the fact that you can get anything, I mean, it's pretty, pretty crazy when you think about like, you know, the world, I was just telling my son and his friends, this is just a few weeks ago. I was like, you know, making money is easy because you have, now you have access to the whole world. Yep. It's absolutely changed things. You know, you don't have to have to be a social media influencer and have a million followers. Like you can have a small audience and make a good amount of money online. Like it's just kind of crazy the, the accessibility and, and how easy it is. And, and I mean, and plus with the knowledge, like when you got started, there wasn't tons of blogs to go out and read and do this and do that. I mean, it was very limited, right? I mean, I started my blog probably seven or eight years ago and there was some good content, but like now it's like, it's just, it's a fire hose, right? I mean, now there's like, it is. there's yep. all kinds of people and it's nice. You know, if somebody like yourself who's been doing it for 10 plus years, it's nice. Well, you got the nice good domain authority and you got some good traffic and you know, you can monetize it. It's a, you're getting a good place. Yeah, you've got to play the long game and that's what a lot of people don't. If they don't get traffic after two or three blog posts, they're going, well, this is a waste of time. But it's the long game you've got to play. It's, it's persistence. And I love the quote by Bill Gates. And he says that most people overestimate what they can do in one year, but underestimate what they can do in 10 years. Yeah. The reality is, especially as you build domain authority with search engines, as you create more content, what we read, more sites linked to you. The reality is that it takes time to build that up. And like, yeah. you know, these, you see the uh, snake oil merchants saying, well, I can get you on page, you know, page <laughs> one in one week or two weeks. And you're going, okay, well, good luck with that. Yeah. So the reality 
is that it is a long game, but once you've built that authority over time, then things get a lot easier. Yeah, we on my side as an example, I think probably within the last two years, maybe a year and a half, we've really seen a huge transition where it's like almost anything that we write about, we can get on the first or second page. It wasn't always that way, right? I mean, you were writing about stuff. Originally, you were just writing about stuff and then it starts to become keyword driven and then you have to go and optimize it and you got to redo it. You know, I mean, there's these these processes that you go through and then, you know, there's a finally a certain point where Google comes and, you know, gives you a little kiss on the cheek and then you're like, realize, hey, I'm in. Like now it's like I'm starting to index well and things are going good as long as you do things obviously on the up and up. But I think it helps, you know, like I said, you starting 11 years ago is a great time, right? I mean, there's a lot of things that have changed, but you, you're known as one of the originators. So it's awesome. Yeah, it's, I think the, in essence, timing is everything in business. Yeah. So, well, not everything, but it's a majority. I think I saw a presentation, a TED Talk, um, can't remember his name, but it took, they'd studied 200 companies and the number one difference for success wasn't how much money they had or connections. It was basically what was their timing like in the market? It was a 45% factor as opposed to the other four, which were you know, in the 20s and 30s and less. So timing can be really, really important. And um, once, if you don't get a jump on that, and that's why for me, keeping an eye on what trends are emerging is really, really important. Uh, just seeing, it doesn't mean to chase every shiny new toy. I think that's, yeah. that's something that, we can all get trapped into, and especially with the shiny new toys of social media. There's some interesting new social networks started, one based out of China, which has got its own implications for security for everyone in the Western world. And, but <laughs> it's, uh, it's a, an app called TikTok, which has yeah. only started in 2016. It's got 500 million plus users. Crazy. Yeah, it's, it's the fastest growing platform ever. I mean, it's insane. Yeah, it's... Uh, have a look at the demographic so it's full of teenagers doing uh, you know lip syncing um yeah. and, some, and, and pranking uh, so it's yeah in essence it's it's pretty superficial but it, it is it can be addictive and i i can see that even uh, even not being a teenager i can see how addictive it could be and is yeah. so it that's fascinating I, I, i'd heard of tiktok before but um basically it's very much about the power of video which is we all know is important but on the board of a startup eight years into a startup called Shuttle Rock and we do Facebook video ads. So for us to keep an eye on what's happening in the Facebook, in the video space is, is, is really, really important. It's important. Yeah, for sure. So when you said you were a teacher, what level did you teach? Was it high school? Yeah, I taught high school. So uh, we, and my last year of teaching, I was teaching senior school. Uh, I was teaching economics. So uh, which wasn't a subject that excited me. <laughs> so it just, I suppose, and the other thing I struggled with a little bit as a school teacher was I felt that I was teaching a lot of things that weren't necessary to life. It's the system imposing on the schools what they should be teaching. Yeah. And yes, you've got to learn the basics. You've got to do maths. You've got to do, you know, you learn to write. You've got to learn to read. But I think some of the life skills that are really important, which as parents we should be teaching, of course, but the reality is that, you know, schools should be part of that whole learning ecosystem to, um, help build life skills. And I just really felt, and even today, that that's very often not covered in curriculum. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that's a, that's part of, my dad was in education as well. And so it's, you, know, you kind of see this and some kids, there's certain kids that learn, you know, that, that you can teach them certain things and some that you don't need to, right? And there's, there's other ways to create that. I think, I think what you're saying is like, you know, there's, 
I don't know. I think there's a better way of teaching, right? Not everybody needs every single piece of curriculum that, that we go and we teach them. It's like there, there can be a better way. There's a better use of their time, I think, with some of the other stuff. Of course, that's always up for debate, right? But Yeah, and we're still learning how to use online education as well. Um, yeah. And you've got the rollout of, of that. People can learn so easily by just YouTubing, you know, just yeah. typing in YouTube. Yeah, how do I do this? How do I do that? Uh, how do I learn a guitar? All of that. So... But the thing is, when you're talking about teaching education, dealing with you know, a system that's been around for, what are we talking, 100 plus, 150 years, 200 years. Yeah. So the reality is that change is going to be generations. Yeah. So uh, despite the fact that uh, the promise of online education, but still we're all social creatures, right? So the new premium is going to be human contact. Um, yeah. yeah. So I'm fascinated to see what's going to unfold over the next few decades. Yeah, I think, well, and I know they've done, they've, there's been a lot of funding in the online education thing, but I think we're still really far out. I mean, it's, you know, cause once again, you talked about the, the human interaction, human touch, you know, that that's going to be the thing that's going to be rare, right? Cause it's going to become more digitized, more, you know, you're going to have more of this, more of your phone, more of this. And you can, I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy. The, 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 ex, like the amount of information that's accessible these days. I mean, it's, it's almost, like I said, it's almost too much, you know, I mean, you can learn anything online when back in the day, I mean, I'm, I was trying to think of like, if I was to start a business 20 years ago, like, how would you do it? Like, I, I don't even, I don't even like my mind doesn't like I like on, online, I have no problem. Like I, this is what you do and this is how we build it and we do this and we'll do this. I mean, I have stages to it, but I'm like, like, you know, I'm talking about maybe, you know, knocking on doors. I mean, we, I did that early on, like, you know, selling stuff when I was young, like, you know, new subscriptions and that kind of stuff. So I kind of cut my teeth there, but just trying to think of like, I mean, how did you do a business like 30 years ago, like 40 years ago? Like, I just don't, for me, I'm so tied into the digital age. And now if I asked my son, he wouldn't even like, he like, what do you mean? Like they had internet probably 50 years ago. And I'm like, no, they did like, this is a new thing. I mean, this is still the infancy stages for right. us. It's kind of, it's kind of crazy. Yep, exactly. And uh, it's, it is a huge social experiment um, in terms of watching kids, uh, you know, want to be Insta famous and think they can, you know, make money out of it. And, and that's, for me, that is a little concerning uh, that I think they're going to have it by you know, being beautiful or doing beauty products or, you know, fabulous body or whatever. The whole sort of Insta-famous Kim Kardashian type content, which I just am not interested in. That younger generation are certainly in that space and and some people are going to do very well out of that. But the reality is that yeah, that's it's very superficial. And the, how does that impact people's thinking about life it can be it's probably quite dangerous so social media is both you know cuts two ways it, i think it can lead to superficial wanting of attention through to you know creating distribution that's great to uh, change the world yeah to awareness yeah i think that's the that is kind of a scary thing so i i actually teach a class at ucla like personal branding and how to be an influencer so i actually have a class so when you say that it's very funny because the students that I get at UCLA, not all of them, because if they're listening, I, I love you guys, um, the, you know, the, the different levels of what people think and the reason why they're looking for to be an influencer to work with brands or something like that. So it's very, there's these levels of some people just are looking to want to make money, right? Some people want to work with these brands. Some people, I mean, there's, everybody has their different reasons for it. And some of it is very superficial, right? Especially in the LA area where there can be some like, you know, Hey mom, I didn't make it as an actor, but now I can be an influencer. Right. So it gives them like, keeps the dreams alive, I guess. I, I don't know. It's, it's interesting to say the least. I, 
I, I really, I enjoy teaching the course, but it's, it reminds me of, like I was telling you when I went to college, one of the classes that I took was how to be an entrepreneur, right? Or an entrepreneurship class. And it was like the only one. And I remember going in there and I had already owned my own businesses when I went to college, when I finished college. It took me 10 years to finish college because I just was kicking and screaming. I wanted to go do everything else and travel and go have fun. And so finally, I'm at the end of this thing. And I remember the teacher and everybody in the class was saying, well, yeah, I want to be an entrepreneur because I want to own my own business so I can travel and go have fun. Like, you know, so I can, you know, make all the money. And it's like, I was remember thinking in my head, like, you have no idea what it takes to run a business. Like, it's not you go open your business and then three months later, you're out on the golf course with your buddies drinking beer and, and you know, driving around. That's right. Cots, right. It's like, there's like, you have to realize, I remember one of the, the funniest things that I heard was the, you know, the, somebody says, well, I want to be my own boss. The teacher says, you'll, you'll, if you own your own business, you'll never be your own boss because everybody that comes in that restaurant or comes in your place is your boss because they're going to come tell you how to do things. This is what you need to change. I have a complaint here. I mean, you, you know, and so it's, it was really interesting because the perception, the same thing with an influencer, right? You think, oh, the influencer life is the way to go. Like I've got my little pink puppy and I eat caviar and I just travel in jets and, you know, helicopters pick me up and that's the life, right? That's, that's what it is. And even then you have to question like, okay, let's say that is the life, but is that really the life? You know, I mean, it's, it's all perception, right? With the way you see and people, that's, and Instagram is very obviously lifestylish, right? You look at it and you're like, oh, this is, this. Exactly. you want to tap into that. And that's what people are keeping the dream alive is what people want to tap into that because I, that's what I want to do. I want the pink dog and I want caviar and I want, you know, it's like, I don't know. I don't know. It's like, it's funny. I, I used to think about this, like when I would look, like when I look at other entrepreneurs and stuff and I go, oh, it'd be great to travel around and be on planes and be in hotels. And I'll be honest, I, I hate hotels. I don't hate hotels, but I've been in so many of them, like in a row of like consulting gigs where I would go for months at a time. Yep. I hate hotels, but it's like, there's a certain point. I'm like, God, it's nice to have a home cooked meal. Like I don't want to go out to eat. You know, it's hard to get in that cadence. And I just, cause I've been to so many hotels, you know, so it's not, and I remember as a kid, man, if I, we went to a hotel, I was losing my mind that we were at a hotel, you know, it was like, they yeah. clean up your room and you can go have food and it's like, man, you just put it on the room and we didn't do that too much because mom wasn't super excited about that. But you get my point. It's like, it's just funny how your perception of things, like when you get in the middle of something, it changes, you know, and I think influencer marketing, because I've been heavy in the space for a long time has been very interesting. But once again, it's like anything else, like, what are your goals? Like, why do you want to get into that? I have a, with the influencers, I ask them or people want to be influenced. Like, what, what's your reason for being an influencer? Like, what are you seeing? There's a reason why you want to do that. Well, I want to make tons of money. Oh, I want to do this. And, and UCLA has a different level of, of individuals. I mean, you know, usually parents are educated. And so hopefully it's not all, I mean, but it's LA though, right? So it's not, I mean, there's a little, might, might, maybe it's the Hollywood syndrome. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's it, right? I mean, it's right there. So it's, it's, you know, I don't know. Anyways, it's interesting for sure. So, so cool. So you kind of went through your little journey. I mean, let's just, but now you're heavy in the tech space. And so where are you spending your time these days? I mean, obviously you've got the website and all that you're doing consulting. What else? You do a lot of speaking engagements. Yeah, we did, we did some speaking. I'm in Estonia in about a month's time, uh, speaking over there at a uh, digital elite conference. So that's going to be fun. We're going to Chicago in, in October. So, and a bunch of other things around that. So you know, I suppose the part for me that uh, as we continue to evolve as both as a business is that we're starting to get more involved in startups and software as a service company. So I've been on the board of a startup called Shuttlerock. Uh, we've pivoted twice and uh, now we're a you know, global Facebook partner, media partner. So what we do is we scale videos or static images into videos um, and we can do that at scale 
very cost effectively. So, um, and that's great for Facebook because that helps create content for them to which actually optimizes all their Facebook ads. Yeah. So when we can increase conversion rates um, significantly by you know, 10, 20, 40, 50% over standard you know, ads. So we're sort of moving more in a strategic, I suppose, startup, both investment, sweat equity space. That's really what we're starting to move into. Uh-huh. You know, when I started you know, the blog, it was what social media is. For me, it's more about what social media does and enables you to have a voice to reach the world and change the world and, and create a business. So that's what I'm moving more into. So, um, and also we'll, we'll be doing a little bit of traveling, but I, I totally agree with you about routine. Like the influence of life that's maybe touted around as being you know, this romantic vision of hotels and and beaches and bikinis and you know fabulous food you know what for me sometimes just boring day-to-day routine normalcy uh there's a certain comfort of that but interspersed with um interesting fun stuff you know for me life is actually more about contrast not just about either being stuck in a routine or always on the road i think a lot of people have a lot of speakers and friends of mine i know and sort of like go oh this being on the road all the time is just tiring so, and then it's harder to keep fit because you break your routine. It's harder to eat the right food because you're in different countries yeah. and you need to get the important, you know, uh, deep work done, which is uh, the book by Cal Newport, which sort of summed up what I'd been doing for the last, you know, seven, eight years. And that's what I think is really important. That, and to segue into a little bit into the whole influencer space again, is that a lot of stuff that's created is what I call superficial. You know, it's about consumerism and sometimes at its worst. And uh, rather than creating something that changes people's lives significantly for the better. So, and, and Cal Newport talks about, you know, he gave it a term. He sort of, when you sit down every day and actually maybe two hours a day, write or paint or do video or, in other words, create content of consequence. And I think being able to sit down and create, and this is what the internet and the social web has given us. It's given the, us the platform to share our creation with the world. And for me, it's really important because I think creating is one thing, but I think where the real magic happens is when you share your creation with the world, whether it's sharing your business as it grows, sharing your art. It's really when you start sharing with the world, with this global media we have now, the social web, you are changing the world and the world is changing you. And I think it's important to understand that um, as and think about, you know, why do I want to be an influencer? Like you might be having those discussions with some of your students. If you're doing it for the wrong reasons and it's not going to be sustainable, I think it's really going to come from a passion interest in something. I'm just reading Richard Branson's book at the moment. He wrote in 2007, I think it was how I lost my Virginia, whatever it is, but he he just does stuff that he loves doing. So it's, it's basically is driven by a passion interest in the subject area that he wants to get into. So I think that's the only way it's going to be sustainable. If you're doing it just for money, it's going to get, it's going to get you. Um, and if you're doing it for the right reasons, then I think it's much more sustainable. But the thing is, as you do create and as you grow, what you are passionate about is also going to evolve. Yeah. So, and that's going to lead to pivot points and transitions. And you really then have to listen to and watch what you're doing and trying to get in touch with you know, that. So 
yeah, it's the social web for me has totally changed my life in the sense of that giving me a voice and also learning how important it was to share my writing with the world and my creation. And a lot of people are afraid to actually do that. I think they're afraid of being judged. They're afraid of, um, you know, saying, well, why would anyone care? Because, you know, these people are much better than me. So I need to get it just right before I hit the publish button or before I share it. And the reality is much more different to that. Is you should be sharing your best work. And when you start off, it's not going to be maybe that good, but it shouldn't stop you. Because for me, it wasn't just the writing on the blog. It was actually the interaction globally as people impacted what we created for content. They uh, gave us feedback. So what I said earlier, you know, essentially, where's your create content, whether it's video, whether it's images, whether it's writing, whether it's art, as you create it and then share it, that's where the real magic for me happens because you get the feedback and you know what works and what doesn't. Uh, you create relationships out of that as people interact. And, um, and I love that. For me, I've met so many wonderful people globally. Um, and I remember talking to a, a lady who was getting to social media about two, two or three years ago and she was at social media's examiner's event, social media marketing world. And she said, you know what? I feel like I've just joined my tribe, right? Yeah. Because she had a passionate interest in social media, obviously. And then she came to the event and met so many other people who were passionate about it. And, and that's what I think is really also uh, an important facet of this social web. Um, it is very social. And I think it actually you know, connects disparate tribes all around the world. And that's what I've just blows me away all the time is, People you've only met, you know, online or they've only been reading a blog and you go to an event or you go on the other side of the world and you yeah. bump into them and, and they're going, you changed my life. Uh, and you awaken an interest or a passion in me about, you know, about this. And I went, and I just continue to be amazed by both the opportunity of creating and sharing and distributing with the world. And that's, for me, has just been, it's been awesome to say the least. Yeah. I mean, it is kind of, I, I, it is kind of insane. I, I, you know, it's funny you talk about like the influencer thing and the personal branding, the, the class that I teach over there. It's one of the things that I always touch on is like, once again, what are your goal? You know, what's your reason for being an influencer, but really it's a personal branding course. It's like the idea of it is, is like, I mean, if you want to do, be an influencer full-time, this is what you want to do. First of all, why are you doing it? But like, you really have to build a brand, like, and you have to realize that it's not always, it's not all cupcakes and, you know, caviar. Like you have to realize like, this is like, if you really want to build this thing out, this is your own business and you have to treat it like your own business. And there's going to be ups and downs. And if you're, you know, if you want to live the Kim K life, just know that it's not going to be easy, you know, and it's going to take a while to get there. It's not an overnight thing. This isn't, you know, I'm getting, I just, this just happened to me. This is like three, four days ago. This girl gets a hold of me through Instagram and says, Hey, you know, I wanna I really wanna figure out how I get more followers. You know, is there any ways? And so I sent her some blog posts and she goes, I've read your blog post. I just want to know how many, you know, how I can get more followers. And I said, Okay, let me look at your account. So I look at it real quick and I go back to her and I go, How how long have you been on Instagram? And she goes, 13 days. Yeah. Well, you gotta put in a little more time than that. 13 days is usually not the pivotal point to become famous. So I said, why don't you, I'm like, she said 13 days. And I was like, I thought it was a friend like joking around with me. So I said, here's the deal. Please, just do it for three or four months. Put up a, a, you know, a picture a day, do some Instagram stories, and then I'll take a look at it. But 13 days in, I, my recommendation is keep going. Like I, there's, you're not even, 
you're not even going to have the tip of the iceberg. Like you haven't even, you haven't even, the, nobody's even hit the, the, the thing so you can start your journey. Like you're still at the start line. Like, no, you know what I'm saying? It just was kind of funny. I just thought, man, you know, everybody wants, you know, the, instead of the seven second abs, I want the three second abs. And then how can I do a one second ab? And it, you know, it's one of those things I go, listen, <clears throat> it's not going to happen overnight. It just isn't like you will not, all these things that take off viral and go do this and go do something a little crazier. And I'll go, I try to get a response. You know, it's like, I, I get it. Those are all tactics, but it's like, if you're really going to build something that you can look back on and be proud of, it's going to take work, you know, and it's not an overnight thing. It just, it just isn't, you know, and so it's interesting because people, well, oh, I want this overnight success. And do you think by the end of the course, I can start, you know, making money? And I'm like, it's really up to you, you know, and it is right time, right place, right time. Right. I mean, it's, it's a, it's yeah. a, it's a crowded space, but that doesn't mean that you can't find a great niche that you enjoy doing. You know, it's, if it's just all about money, then you're chasing money and that's going to, you know, that's going to disappoint you at times. Yep. You know, so I don't know. It is interesting. It, it is, it is kind of a, a trip, but once again, you know, it comes down to like, Hey, listen, this is, if you're, this is a long-term play, this isn't going to happen overnight ever. And a lot of them just do not realize that it's um, that building uh, distribution is just, it's work of years. Um, you know, the Kim Kardashian basically built a distribution by appearing on mass media, which is a lucky break. And then she was able to use mass media leverage into the social media space as that emerged. So the reality is, and this, you know, it does take a long time. And yes, you will have some lucky breaks along the way. And I, you know, whether it's an interview on a major show or, or whether it's uh, someone distributing on their, you know, on their list. And then you've got to keep an eye on the trends because, you know, what you're working on may not, may stop working. And, yeah. you know, you only have to look at what happened in Facebook in 2014 as they started to move from organic to pay to play. Um, the only way you can really get any traction on Facebook these days is unless you're, you know, unless you're a, a movie star is basically you're going to have to pay for it. And then you've got to be really smart about how you spend the money. Yeah. So the reality is social media before 2013, yes, it, for three or four years, it was fabulously organic. But as the landscape changed, pay to play, the algorithms, you know, were modified. Everyone's organic traffic. There were businesses that had basically built their business model upon organic social, essentially almost disappeared overnight. Yeah. So the thing for me is certainly multi-channel. So with last 12 months or two years, we focused a lot on building domain authority uh, because there's two parts to getting you know, Google authority. So you rank on first page or if you're lucky or worked hard enough, you know, number one on page one. Um, we divided, decided as we saw social continue to decline, we said, well, we need to make sure we're covering ourselves from a distribution point of view. Yeah. So we invested, I think we about six to nine months of work into the technical aspect of search engine optimization for the website. Uh, also the structure the content pillar content, creating five, 6,000 word blog posts of the pillar content that, you know, create the authority began positioning itself as being, you know, one of the best in the business in your sector. So, but it took us, you know, essentially nine months before we started to see any significant uptick in traffic and then it'll drop away a bit as a Google changed their algorithm. So, you know, we invested a lot of money, a lot of time. And it, even with the domain authority that we have, because we've got about five, six million visitors a year, it still took us that time to really see an, see an uptick. And, uh, and the other things that are changing is the effectiveness of, of email. So the email's open rates are continuing to decline. Um, so 12 months ago, we invested in you know, building our Facebook Messenger subscriber base. 
So, um, and today we've got about 12,000 on that list, but we have a lot better open rates and click-through rates uh, on there. So then you're not sure. So the thing then is Facebook might change the whole strategy on use of Facebook Messenger. They might say, we're going to split business and personal messaging. So you're going to have to start again and build, who knows? But there is rumors around the middle about that sort of thing happening. And you just got to understand that you've got to make hay while the sun shines because the algorithm might change tomorrow. That's the hard part. I, you know, I tell people then, and people that will reach out once again, Hey, you want to be in it? Whatever it is. Hey, I'm on Instagram. That's where I have my profile. I'm like, what other profiles do you have? Oh, I just have Instagram. I said, that's scary. It is scary. It's absolutely scary because you know what? You don't, how much, I mean, how much of Instagram do you own? And they're like, I don't own Instagram. I go, exactly. So they, you can complain about algorithms. You can complain about this. You can complain about that. You, you, whatever they make a decision on, it's the best thing for Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or whatever, right? So at the end of the day, I tell people like, listen, if you're talking about personal branding, that should go to your, your website, right? This should drive traffic to wherever you have your money or your, you know, your lead magnets or whatever that is. The problem is, is Instagram, you can put up too many risky pictures or you can talk about this, or you can talk about that and they could ban you. I mean, I've had clients that have lost like overnight. And they're like, I don't know what to do. Now we were able to get them back because we, you know, explained what the reason was or whatever the, the deal was. But I'm like, man, I mean, it's, you know, like a site you own. And obviously you guys have invested in that, right? It's like, it's, you know, I understand you got the algorithm, you got this, but there becomes a point now, obviously it's not an overnight thing because yours wasn't overnight. Mine was not overnight, but it gets to a point where, hey, you know what? All of this time, like it, this is what's funny. My wife, this was, and she's probably gonna listen to this too, between my son hearing that like, hey, I, I don't, anything I learned in college, I don't use anymore. And now I'm gonna talk about my wife. I might, I might be, I might have to move to Australia when I'm done with this <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Yeah, New, Zealand, New Zealand's quite good as well, I have heard, yeah. A lot of Americans okay. moving to New Zealand, yeah, oh. getting a bomb bunkers built, I think, so um, yeah. Oh, that's good to know. <laughs> I mean, that's good to know I've got a place out there. Yeah, it's, you know, my wife in the beginning was like, you know, you're doing all this writing and you're hiring writers and you're doing this, like, like, what is this, like, how much money have you made from this? And I'm like, you know, this is, it's a long-term play and I invested early, you know, and I just didn't know how it was going to pay off. And now, like I said, now we're at the point where it's, you can monetize the blog, but it's just not easy. You know, you read plenty of things, oh, how to monetize your blog. It takes a while to get that kind of traffic man. it just really does. And it's like, it's always a work in progress, but you guys invested in that early. And I think that's the key is it's like, you own that blog, right? Nobody can tell as long as you're paying your host and you pay your $10 for GoDaddy or whatever. Yes, that's right. Blog, right. And, you know, assuming that you're doing, you know, not doing anything weird SEO wise, but as long as you do things on the up and up, it can bear money. I mean, it can bear fruit for you down the yeah. road. Yeah. And, and it worries me a lot when I see people just building personal branding on just Instagram and I'm going, gee, that is such a dangerous place to do that. Instagram should be one of your digital assets that you have an investment in, but you do not own it. It's rental property. You, yeah. are, there, you are there under the landlord's authority and permission. Yeah. And they can decide they're going to sell the house or they're going to change it or blow it up. Yeah. Or, you know, or government regulation comes in and changes the game, which is potentially you know, nipping at the, at the toes of Facebook and others. Facebook even said they're going to combine all their messenger from WhatsApp, Facebook Messenger into one messenger app. And then the EU goes, be very careful about doing that because you'll be seen as monopoly. So we're watching social media grow up. It was a wild west 10 years ago. Now it's going to be subject to all the rigor of uh, mature industries as it grow continues to evolve. So yeah, for me, it's something I've been banging on about for nearly a decade is about own your asset. 
yeah. ensure you use social media as your distribution. So it's a hub and spoke model. You've got your home, your, what you, that you own, your website, your blog. Um, and as you just said, you know, it's yours as long as you keep paying the, the hosting fee and, um, and keep renewing your domain name. Yeah. So the reality is that you do need to make sure that you do that. So when I see just in, people wanting to be Insta famous and that's their only asset, I'm going, it's scary. You really need to rethink this because you're playing on borrowed ground. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So when we talk about like content marketing, so for you guys, for your website, let's say as an example, probably for clients as well, like what are your, I mean, obviously what are your like your key pillars for content? Like, I mean, obviously the pillar content, right? The big blog posts are five, 600 words. How do you guys create like for content marketing? Like how do you guys do that for your website? So if somebody was listening and says, Hey, I want to build a website and what are the, I mean, obviously you have years and years of experience, right? So today, how do you guys structure that when you, when it comes to putting content up on your website? I did it very ad hoc initially. So I just, I suppose I created SEO authority just with blunt force trauma. We just create a lot of content. In fact, for four years, shortly after I started, I got up at 4.30 a.m. Uh, before I started my day job. And at 9 a.m., I basically written a blog post and published it, distributed on email, sent it out on social. And we created authority just by doing that. But we discovered two years ago that as Google's become much more technical, as the algorithms have become more sophisticated, we've had to really double down on the technical side. So we will go in and look at, do some keyword research, seeing what sort of categories and what sort of phrases are getting the right uh, traffic. You don't want to be chasing just phrases or one word. You need to be, you know, the long tail, four to five words as a phrase. Questions are actually big now as Google's algorithms evolve. You know, what doesn't seem as important, but things like make sure that the site loads quickly. Yeah. Make sure that when people go to your mobile site, it's easy to read. Also, the calls to action to convert those readers into subscribers and then into customers is also done well. It's a very complicated space, as yeah. you know. But that's why just doing something every day is a step towards building a sustainable business, an online business, and be aware of changes that are going to happen around you. So we really doubled down on the technical side site loading speed, making sure we had a site map done, make sure we had the categories that are important in our industry. And someone who doesn't really understand SEO, look, I'm not an SEO expert, I understand the concepts, but I basically built the team, my, one of my core team members is, is really, really good at SEO. So it's important that early on, I think, get your site structure and technical set up and then your categories and then key phrases that you want to chase under that. And you can't control all of that. All I can do is you make sure you get 80% right and then the next job after getting it technically well you should be doing it in parallel is creating content that solves people's problems and positions you as an expert in your space and then continue to do that creation yeah because it's to do it right is difficult. I mean, because your site's never going to be perfect, right? But I gave you an example. This, and in fact, we're, we're switching this on my site as we speak. Having the dates that we had on my website, they weren't correct. Like the formatting of the dates, we didn't have it correct, which yeah. is a huge thing. And I didn't know that. I mean, I, I've done SEO for I don't know how long. And I just read a blog post about that. And I was like, oh my God, like our dates. I've always said from the beginning, kind of said, I think we should change the way we have our dates done. And we're like, oh, well, we start working on other stuff. And I just recently read that and I thought, and every single one of my dates on my thing are messed up. It was like, anyways, it just wasn't technically right. And so this, it was a certain company that went and changed their dates and saw an increase of 30% in their, their web traffic because now Google can see when those blog posts have been done and then when you update them and then obviously it becomes, you get better rankings. So anyways, it's little simple stuff like that that I think 
In fact, I was also going to do, if you know who uh, Viper Chill is, so that's uh, Neil is a big SEO guy and he does little evaluations. I was going to have him do an evaluation on my website. Just he does like a 10 minute video or something like that on just really, really technical SEO. Cause I have a, a few people on my team that are good at technical SEO, but there's always moving pieces, right? I mean, once you change this and then this changes this a little bit, I mean, there's always these, you know, obviously you have, you know, page loading and all that kind of this page speed and all that, which is always constantly changing with images and the size of your images and this and that. And, you know, the amount of all the, the fun stuff of the, you know, you have all the widgets and plugins and all this that bogs it all down. It's just, it's just trying to become, come up with that perfect mix. And I think people, and it's only been this way for, well, I mean, probably the last five, six, seven years. I remember in the beginning, like, like you talked about, it's like, we would just put content up to put content up, right? I mean, the idea is like, I, even at UCLA, I, I show my students, because I still have it up on my blog, not because I'm proud of it, but I, I have it as a point. I show my first blog post. And it's terrible. I mean, it's like really, really bad. And people are like, why would you like, oh my God, that's terrible. And I go, yeah, but the point is I started. You started. That's the most right. important thing. And, and for me, one of the key phrases I use all the time is done is better than perfect. Yeah. So you've just got to get started. And uh, yeah, some of us are more conservative than the others. Some of us are much more introverted. Um, I think you know, Brené Brown covers that, you know, that in her TED talk, the reality is about 40% of the population is reverted. So they're much more afraid of actually putting themselves out yeah. there. But it's a fear you're going to have to overcome in the online world because you've got to be willing to put yourself out there and start and be willing to be judged. And, um, you know, when I started writing, you know, just needed to get it out. So I maybe hadn't proofread it, you know, correctly or had, the grammar was a little bit average. And uh, I'd have the grammar police and the spelling police turn up and uh, give me a hard time. I went, well, okay, sorry. I didn't have time for an editor because the internet sometimes doesn't work that way. Yeah. And especially when I have big bucks to invest in a team of people before even making money, that's not going to happen. So you you just got to suck it up. And I think you get a little thicker skin over the time to handle that sort of uh, heat. Yeah. And the end of that, I went, well, yeah, I've got more traffic than you. So yes, you can complain about my grammar. You complain about my, my spelling, but um, I've got more attention than you have. And uh, we've actually got a business and we actually have a lot of fun doing this stuff. So thanks for, but in nice way to say, thanks for letting us know. And uh, we'll make changes. Uh, We'll get around to making changes. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. And that's, what's always funny is that I always tell people that if, you know, if you have people that are coming to your site and doing this and giving you a hard time about this and you've, you've made it, you're in a good position because then they're reading your stuff still, right? I mean, if they're not going to come back because of it, then that's fine. It's not the kind of person you want anyways. But the people that are coming, other than it's like YouTube, YouTube has some pretty bad trolls on there. But, you know, it, it, when they're coming to your website and they're reading your content, like to me, that's a good, right? If you think some things need to be changed because I've never claimed to be perfect. I'm like, listen, if you get 90% of what I'm saying, then life's good. Uh, you know, if you're still getting, you understand the premise. If I don't have a comment there, if that throws off my whole article for you, then well, I'm probably not a good fit for you. Right? <laughs> that's right. I'm, I'm going yeah. to mess up things here and there. That's the only thing I can promise out of the whole thing. Exactly. That's funny. So tell me, obviously you've been in the space for a long time. Like what are like three softwares or tools that you use that you're like, I, you know, like you can't live without like your team. You said, if, if you said, Hey, I'm going to shut these things down, your team would go, Whoa, 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 Jeff, like, what are you doing? You've been you know, drinking too many beers or something like that. That's a bad decision. Yeah. Um, one, I, a tool which I discovered early on, um, is Snagit, which allows me to do screenshots and, uh, capture, uh, you know, images and then edit them, uh, that was pretty important early on. So the other ones, I suppose, is my CRM Infusionsoft, sometimes known as Confusionsoft because uh, it's so technical. So you do need an email or CRM 
marketing platform for automation. And I remember you know, I got given a really hard time early on when I started automating social media posts on Twitter. And the tool I use today for that, in fact, one tool I couldn't do without now, is um, the founder, Emmerich, um, from Paris, Emmerich Ermolt, is just a fabulous guy. And he and his partner have built a fabulous social media marketing tool called Agora Pulse. Um, I couldn't do without that. So what he actually, we worked together with him to build out a feature on his platform that allows me to tweet every 15 minutes out to my users. I've got about 580,000 users and on Twitter. And we've got a whole bank of content, you see. So I can share content over six days without doubling up. Yeah. In fact, I can do more than that, but we keep refreshing our content. You know, older stuff's retired, newer stuff. We try and create evergreen content. But Agora Pulse is one platform that I found to be really, really, I could not, we could not do without. The latest one we couldn't do without is basically Facebook bot um, platform we use, which is ManyChat. Mm. There's one out by you know, Larry Kim called uh, Mobile Monkey. Uh-huh. We started implementing uh, building our Facebook message subscribers out because we were seeing our email lists being less effective. So we, in the last 12 months, have used ManyChat um, to actually build our Facebook messenger subscriber base. And that's something I couldn't do without today. That's, so here's, that gives you an idea of, of the emerging landscape and how you've got to keep changing that. So, yeah, there's a few. So it's funny. So I've used Snagit. You know what, what uh, tool that I use, and I, it was revolutionary for me, is uh, have you ever used Loom, the video? I've heard of it. Yeah, I haven't used so it. So the reason why it's been helpful for me, because my team, is your team all remote? Do you have a remote team? Yeah, they're remote. Okay, yeah. so that's the same with mine. So my team's literally all over the world. So the video thing helped because, you know, if you get whatever, 50, 100, whatever, how many emails I get, then I could go and look at a page or look at something and say, hey, we need to change this, 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 and this, or hey, guys, I saw this, or hey, we're looking at this, or hey, I like this in regards to the logo, and I could do it really fast. Because back in the day, you know, before it was just all email. So for me, it was email, great one thing, and then all of a sudden it was snag it, hey, I can point arrows, and now I can tell you, but I have stuff to write it out, and now I have Loom, which I literally have used, I think I've like, I'm probably a Loom abuser, like I'm probably the reason why they might not make it or their servers might go down, because of how often I use it. Probably right. not. Still, I feel like that. There's been, I have probably 720 videos. I mean, I'll wow. do reports for, I do it for sales. I mean, I do it for a lot of different things because I send an email for sales and then, you know, you read it, you're like, ah, what about this part? They have some questions. I try to answer all the questions in the video. Like, oh, hey, John, wanted to yep. sit that proposal over, wanted to explain this. Or with my team, it's been awesome because with design stuff, I, I mean, I'm trying to change two colors and move this thing over three inches like the emails that I would send, I would read them again in the morning. I'm like, oh my God, no wonder they didn't understand what I was talking about. Like I read it again. It's just, so video has been, been tremendous for me because once again, I can get more out at a faster rate. Okay. Snag it. So cool. take a look, it's, it's been, it's been fun. Now, mini chat is something I'll have to take a look at that. Now I know Larry Kim, he's reached out to me. I've got the only reason, well, not the only reason Larry's reached out to me for a number of reasons, but I'm number one for AI chatbot. So he was like, hey, what's going on, Shane? And I was like, oh, hey, what's up? And he goes, hey, you're number one for the keyword that I need. And I was like, oh, okay, so let's talk. So yeah, we've, we've gotten, I like Larry, he's a, he's a good guy. Yes, correct, yeah. Yeah, I, I think I met him in uh, San Diego a couple of years ago. So, um, but yeah, the whole uh, the Facebook Messenger side is certainly something we're uh, doubling down on. And we can get, you know, the same, we can get more clicks and more conversions from Facebook Messenger and the list is only, is one fifth, one seventh the size of, of the email list. So, um, yeah. 
So we certainly have doubled down on that. We've we've invested uh, a bit over twelve months worth in that at the moment, and uh, we're going to do some more testing as we as we evolve that out. All right. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. I got to jump a little more into it. We've done some stuff on my website for conversion stuff, and it really hasn't converted the way that I like it to. So. Anyways, I've got a little, I've got a little leverage because I go in and tell the guys, hey, I'm number one for your keyword. Like, what do you guys want to build out for me? So I'll leverage that a little bit. We'll see. Hopefully, in six months, I'll have a, a better, my, it'll be better there. <laughs> so awesome. So let's think. So what other projects are you working on? You got anything else? I mean, it sounds like you've been working on the obviously the chatbot side of things and, and getting that going. Anything fun? You got any books coming out? You, I mean, oh, well, the last four months have been a bit of a tough time personally uh, I won't get into detail but it's um, sort of had to step back a bit um, but I've got a book in the mill so uh, which is more about what's made me happy and what I found to be what helps me to be resilient what helps me to persist uh, more about life skills and necessarily about social media and digital marketing I'm really more fascinated about the human condition I suppose in terms of yeah. how we make life that success and how we communicate effectively online and so it, that's the books more in that sort of space. And, uh, but we're, gonna, we're also working more strategically with startups, not first stage startups necessarily, but ones that are starting to get some traction and uh, maybe help them with some sweat equity. So we'll just work on some of that, so those sort of ideas because um, we've got a platform to help people you know, grow their base, grow their subscribers, and we know how to do that as well. So. Yeah, more than, I suppose just keeping it fun. For me, it's, uh, it's like Richard Branson said, if it's not fun, it's not worth doing. And I think it doesn't mean you don't do some of the stuff that needs to be done, such as, you know, make sure you, you've got your accountant looking after your um, taxes and all the basic boring stuff. Um, yeah, I really, uh, we're transitioning to, I suppose, a space within the space we started with social media and dig digital entrepreneurship. And uh, so working closer with startups strategically, uh, software as a service, uh, companies where we can help them scale through our distribution. Yeah, there's a, some interesting stuff that we're working on, yeah. So what about uh, traveling? So I know you like to travel. You also like to, you're a cyclist, right? So you like to do that as well. So tell me a little bit about that. I, I always, I just look at your Instagram and you like all these fun places. And so yeah. um, do you do a lot of cycling? Yeah, I do a lot of cycling. So uh, essentially I'm a road bike. I used to be a runner for decades, but uh, my feet started a little bit uh, worn out from the impact. So uh, cycling is so good because actually it's very low impact exercise. It's so good. So you can ride with the friends, you can have a chat, you can have a coffee, you get yeah. fit at the same time. You're seeing beautiful landscapes unfold around you and for you. Yeah. We've ridden in places like South Africa. We've done the uh, Argus, which is the biggest road bike, um, race in the world, which they closed down the whole Cape effectively and right Indian Ocean, Atlantic Ocean, that was 40,000 people. Uh, ridden in New Zealand several times. We rode, rode in France, the French Alps around the French Tour the, uh, last year. For me, it's about making, you know, people try and separate life and business. And I, I think that that's the wrong way to think about it. It is life. So how can you make business fun? How can you make life fun? How can you make just life fun, but make a difference? So, we're about to, when we speak in Estonia, we're going to uh, take that opportunity while we're there to actually spend a couple of months in the Lakes District of Italy and do some cycling, but get into a daily routine of work as well. So it's basically my life continues to be an experiment in life design um, because it's something I'm really passionate about. I think seeing people you know, line up to get into the lifts and go into the high rise towers and you know, they all pour out at five o'clock in the afternoon is something that distinctly demotivates me. And luckily in a position where I don't have to do that. Yeah, so it's, for me, it's about 
and we, we intend to do a bit of time in uh, maybe Bali for a few weeks as well and work from there. But working in places where we can create a routine, not just traveling, but basically explore the world while uh, having fun, growing business, um, but doing it through a routine and, and uh, get fit along the way with some cycling. Yeah. See, that's, that's kind of me. Like I, I probably shouldn't say this out loud, but I will lower my speaker gigs for people, places that like I haven't been to. Like literally if somebody comes to me like, Oh, Hey, we're going to, you want to speak in this country? And I'm like, yeah, then I'll think I'm going to lower my fee. Cause I want to make sure I get it. Like there's like parts of me, like I look at it uh, the other way, instead of like, I want to make more money. I'm going to like, well, if you guys fly me out there, kind of like you, if you know, fly me out there and I can be there for a few weeks, that's awesome. Like that's half of not half the cost, but it's a good percentage of it. Right. And now you yeah. can just have some fun. Like it's, so what you want is not more money. You want more experiences. That's what it is. That's it. I mean, I don't, yeah. the money side of things is not the big, like I will, I'll go way down on fees. I probably shouldn't say this, but I will go wait. I just, I get to a point where it's like, I just, if I want to go there, then I'm going to go there. Like if you're, if you're willing to, to fly me out there, then Hey, we can work something out in the middle. It's not a bad thing. It isn't a bad thing. And uh, I've been to some just fabulous places, Turkey, Beirut, Kuwait, um, you know, uh, Romania and uh, Norway and Helsinki. And so, and my mum actually asked me the other day, um, visiting me and mum said, how many places have you been to? I went, that's a good question, mum. So I started reeling them off and I think I got up to 30 uh, without too much trouble. And I went, you know, uh, you know, I just feel I'm a lucky guy. I'm so grateful to have, uh, in essence, heard the whisper to start the blog. And, and that's the thing about you know, your passionate purpose. And I think Steven Spielberg in a lovely YouTube video talks about listen for that whisper because it doesn't shout. And I think that's really important for people to understand yeah. is that intuition and, and also what you're meant to be doing sometimes is something that isn't obvious. And, uh, you know, we were brought up in a world, you know, decades ago where, you know, you got to be a nurse, teacher, doctor, lawyer, right? So um, whatever, or a cabinet maker, you know, the traditional roles, but that whole space of career and life design, the opportunity is now just so awesome. And, you've got so much flexibility to reach the world and, uh, and basically create a life around that. And that's what happened to me. And I, I just, I never cease to be grateful and also never cease to be surprised by the opportunities that show up that uh, came because I was willing to actually share my creation with the world. Yeah. Well, I work hard. You worked hard. Yeah. All right. So this is, we're almost at the end of this thing. And I, I know this has been a fun little journey for me. So if I was to give you a, a credit card with a $50,000 lemon, I don't know if that's even enough for you, bud, because I know you like, like live that high life, and you were going to go max it out at some store, what store, where would you go? Where would you go? I said, listen, you know what, Jeff, we've been good friends. Here goes a card. I don't know why. It's 50 grand that my wife didn't use this, this month. I don't know. For some reason, I have the cash. I want it in a card. And I give it to you. Where would you go? Where would you go blow 50 grand that was... It'll be on travel and experiences um, and the ability to meet other people globally around the world, whether it's at conferences, whatever. So for me, it's not about more stuff. It's about more meaningful experiences that just make life rich. And um, I think there's some studies being done that at around seventy-five dollars to $100,000, uh, earning more money doesn't make you any happier. As long as you've got the fundamentals paid for, as long as you can put food on the table, as long as you don't have, you know, you can pay debts off and no one's chasing you for money. The rest comes down to quality human relationships, experiences that feed your soul. That's, 
you know, what I would spend it on. I'd spend it on the experiences and the ability to, from those experiences to connect with more people and discover more opportunity that allows me to have more fun with more people. So um, it's, that's what I'd do. That's awesome. Well, I'll tell you, man, this has been an awesome interview. This is, this is half the reason I do the podcast because, you know, you, you see people online and then you get to be able to talk with them. And I think, you know, I see, I obviously know you from through online stuff, but I think you, you seem to be a very, you're an awesome human. Man, like just, just your, just the way you think about things and way you look at things, which is once again, you don't always get that reading somebody's content, but I think it's nice. That's why I enjoy the podcast because then you get to meet some people that to hear that of what their goals are is a lot. They align with my goals in the sense that it's like, just let's, let's have some fun while we're on this earth, you know, and do good things. Absolutely. I think our purpose in life is to discover what our purpose in life is. And uh, yeah. I think if Journey. you keep looking, keep listening and it will be a whisper. Yeah. Awesome. All right, Jeff. So if anybody needs to get in contact with you, they have a startup that's, you know, been funded, they need some money, they need a little bit of guidance in their life. How can they get in contact with you? So I've got a contact form at jeffbullis.com. So J-E-F-F-B-U-L-L-A-S.com. So we're not hard to find. So uh, drop in, check us out and uh, happy to have a chat and we uh, read all sorts of fun stuff. So Awesome, Jeff. Well, hey, have an awesome day out there, man. Once again, thanks for being on the podcast. We'll be chatting here soon. Okay, great to be part of the show. Thanks, bud. Bye-bye. Bye.